Pod. Pod. Welcome back to another episode of Say Who Say Pod. He's Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. We haven't recorded since the emergency episode after Jed Fish's hire, so I don't actually know, Danny, if there are more players on Washington's roster than there were uh, the last time we, we recorded an episode or if there are fewer, but it feels like there's more because a handful of guys have either affirmed their commitment to staying at Washington or have removed their name from the portal or have transferred from Arizona or have gotten out of their letters in the 2024 recruiting class at Arizona. They've got 2025 quarterback commit. There are some guys coming in the door and the most important one uh, as of Tuesday evening was Will Rogers, the previous staff's replacement for Michael Penix Jr., the transfer from Mississippi State, um, who had gone in the transfer portal after Kalen DeBoer left for Alabama has removed his name and uh, appears he will play his final college season at Washington, presumably as Jed Fish's first starting quarterback. That sounds similar to something we've previously heard, Christian. As a matter of fact, I can remember on December 15th when I heard about Will Rogers committing to the University of Washington. And at that point, according to my general uh, standards, at that point, I can start getting excited because I, I don't do recruiting. My my general rule of thumb is that I will not start learning about or really in any way caring about a player until he is officially announced by the school. And I'm realizing that that is probably an approach that is outdated and going to be impractical, if not outright impossible in, uh, do we call it the portal era? In the, the portal, portal era. <laughs> the portal era that you're not, quite going to be able to do that it, it is a big deal and I, I i would like to to point out uh it is uh at the risk of of criticizing someone else's verbiage there is an absolutely hilarious quote in pete thamel's story on espn about will rogers uh recommitting to the university of washington or removing himself from the portal and the quote is coach fish told me today i want to treat you like a professional football player i told him that's what i want that's what I am looking to do, end quote. And I found this humorous because it was just last week that NCAA head Charlie Baker was up on Capitol Hill imploring members of Congress to categorize players as students as opposed to employees. And this is all just part of the cognitive dissonance that any any that any right thinking human must maintain to be a, a college football fan, to realize that. The player is wanting to be treated as a professional, understandably. The coach is offering what is a quasi-professional opportunity in his final year of college eligibility. But the head of the NCAA is saying, don't treat them like employees, for God's sake. So while the portal might require a fan like you who doesn't love to follow recruiting and and doesn't doesn't want to get sucked into every turn of the screw with every individual recruitment. Well, it might require you to pay closer attention. I would argue um, it also, and we, we talked about this on signing day, the, the portal gives you a more concrete version of recruiting, a more immediate payoff um, for your energy, paying attention to it. If you were to, uh, when we get done here, pull up Will Rogers career highlights on YouTube and watch, you're not watching some kid who may or may not develop and be a player for Washington three years from now. You're watching the guy who's going to be playing quarterback for them next year. Um, maybe this is where we should affix an asterisk to this conversation because there is another transfer portal window in the spring. Oh, and who no, knows? that could happen again. Are there any <laughs> limits on how many times you could go into the portal? There are not. There are not. <laughs> So this is, and we'll get, not to, not to de take too much of a detour here. This is a thought I've had that like, if the roster is not complete when they begin spring practice, which it's hard to see how it could be. Um, and they've still got these gaping holes and it's kind of unclear on who's going to be coming in to fill them. Could you see, and not necessarily Will Rogers, but could you see a player or two look around and say, you know what? I only got one or two years left. This clearly is not a team that's going to win a lot of games in 2024. I might go in the portal now. 
because I think there's some guys, you know, with any coaching change, there's going to be some guys who give the staff a chance through spring. Let me just see. Let's see the system. Let's see how I fit into it. Let's see what the energy is. Let's see what these coaches are like on the practice field. Um, let me get a taste of the program a little bit before I make a decision and then use that window in the spring. So I they're they're not out of the woods yet. Uh, I think even with some guys who decide to come back. Um, but yeah, I, so are you, are you excited about this, this new chapter in your fandom where you, you, you have to pay attention to the acquisitions because they're guys who are going to be contributing right away. I have mixed feelings about it, which probably isn't surprising. Um, I'm trying to be thoughtful about it. And I mean, I think that there are the basis of my decision to disregard recruiting is quite simply, I don't ever want to be disappointed in a decision that an 18 to 22 year old person makes about where they think is the best fit for them. I don't ever want to think, Oh, that's dumb. Oh, that person's because I think that's, I think that's the wrong way to approach anything you should be hoping that all these young people make the decision that is going to be best for them and allow them to achieve all their potential. And I don't know how to sort of bridge the gap of being a fan of Washington, which I am, and kind of an unreasonably passionate fan about it. And if you follow recruiting, not feeling that disappointment, like, oh, I wish, I wish that they would have, would have, would have chosen differently. Some of, some of that is, as a when I worked at the Seattle Times and covered high school sports for it was like three and a half years, I did cover a lot of recruiting. So I've seen I've seen how that process brings out the freaking worst in everybody. Not always, but frequently enough that it's a problem, whether it's the coaches, whether it's the players, and and especially the fans. It brings out the worst in reporters too. It's just it's important, but I've tried to say like, I'm just just not gonna worry about it. It's not, it's increasingly difficult to do at a time when players, everybody on the roster could choose to leave if they wanted. Because transfer portal, it is essentially recruiting. It's generally a, a more, a less emotional sort of process. It's about opportunity. It's also about the name, image, and likeness. The, the marketing money that you can get from it. It's more, I would say, business-like. But it's still, it's still recruiting. And I, I think the one, one of my takeaways from the past week and a half would be that it is very easy to work yourself up into an absolute tizzy about how the roster is going to be decimated. And, oh, my God, everybody's going to leave. And two things about that. Not everyone that enters the transfer portal is going to leave. In fact, it kind of looks like most of the players that enter the transfer portal might not leave. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but most might not leave. And then the second part is, as easy as it is for them to leave, it's just as easy for other guys to come in there. So I saw a headline earlier this week where it was, Washington has no scholarship quarterbacks left on its roster. and. That's dumb, right? Like that might literally that might actually be true, but there's going to be a quarterback's going to be able to transfer in here. The opportunity to play at the University of Washington, it's not like you're going to be left with a bare cupboard because somebody's going to end up coming in there and filling that spot. Now whether they're as good as the player that's leaving, but it's possible to be to give these really dire prognostications and be really doomsday about it in a way that that I honestly think is kind of misleading and and just it generally induces some terrible behavior. Um, and maybe I'm just, I didn't feel great about wanting Noah Fafita. And how do I say the, the receiver's first name? I don't want to butcher it. I've been calling him T-Mac, but that's just because it's easy. Um, I believe it's Teteroa. Teteroa McMillan. Wanting those guys to transfer. I haven't felt great about that. And... I'm a reasonably self-aware adult, so I can say that the news and it looks like they're staying. And I think you have to say it looks like because it could change. And as you pointed out, there's a second transfer portal window. 
I, I think that's good for them. And I think it shows a lot of confidence and faith in themselves and independence. And if they stay at the University of Arizona, that that's awesome. I don't want to be disappointed about that. But I don't feel great about, I feel kind of predatory how I was looking at them a week ago. And I was like, oh, maybe they're going to come up here with Jet Fish. Like that's, I don't feel great about myself as a fan thinking that. So it's it's funny that you say, hey, I got to, I got to pay closer attention to the, uh, the, we'll call it talent acquisition. <laughs> That's hilarious. The talent acquisition. <laughs> the talent acquisition process of acquiring talent. Um, I've seen people, and not like a huge number of people, but enough that it's got my attention saying, you know what? I can't, I can't keep up with all the portal comings and goings. I can't live and die with every kid from this roster who enters the portal, whether they're considering themselves long gone or whether they're still going to consider Washington could come back and who are they going to go get, whether it's from Arizona's roster or there's a couple of San Jose state players in the portal now because their coach left for Arizona and, and maybe Washington could get involved with, uh, you know, they're, they're one of those guys is visiting this weekend. So, I've seen people say, hey, I this is going to be a season, at least this 2024 season, where I'm just going to watch the games and tell me what the team is come fall camp. And I'm confident there will be enough players to field a team and that I'll just watch the team. And maybe this is the year that but I, I have a feeling that especially if recruiting like starts to get rolling a little bit and they get some more more commits and whether it's for this season or the 25 class or whatever um i think those people will be back be pulled back in um i think it's hard to think if you're if you're a fan you really care about this stuff it's hard to check out of the recruiting process what is the way to be an ethical an ethical college football fan when it comes to the transfer portal maybe that's something that i'm still working through but but that idea of because the answer that I've had of how do you be an ethical fan of college football when it comes to recruiting is that I just ignored it. I just I just said, I'm not going to do the soft verbal. I'm not going to do the hard commit. I'm not going to keep track of who's still taking official visits. I'm just going to wait until the school announces it. And I realize that that's not the answer for everybody, but that was my answer. I don't have my answer for how to do that in the portal era, Christian. See, I think once Kalen DeBoer leaves Washington for Alabama and takes with him Parker Brailsford and Jeremy Bernard and Austin Mack, and we'll see who else, um, that that grants you some right to hope that Washington can similarly backfill. <laughs> Listen to the verbiage we're using. Talent acquisition, and now you got a backfill. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Brailsford. So I went on to his Twitter account last, or went out, and I didn't realize until yesterday that he'd committed to to Alabama, which maybe shows you that I'm still working through kind of how I'm in it. But I saw it, and then I went to his 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 Twitter profile, which I believe I followed. Um, I probably enjoyed watching i i think that parker brailsford had the third most important slash impressive season of any player on the huskies this season i think that rome was one i would say that Penix was two though i can see why why you Penix should be one given everything that that he that he accomplished over the season but then i have brailsford as three he's a redshirt freshman who you pointed out how much the coaching staff liked Mateo Mele gets hurt. He steps in there. I loved watching Brailsford play. Um, and I want, I want to be, I do not want to be bummed that he left because I think that's sort of the wrong way to look at. It. So I went and I posted, I said, just wanted to say how much fun I had cheering for you this season and that I'm wishing you absolutely nothing but the best going forward. My man, I believe any team you play for in the future is going to be really fortunate to have you be well. And I'm hoping that by putting those sort of things out into the world that maybe I'll get some karmic it may, maybe that that's that I'm that I'm hoping by those those good vibes going out that it'll in turn keep good vibes of other players coming I, but I don't know it's tough man yeah brailsford's a 
of all the players that Washington's lost in that, that's probably the one that's kind of bummed me the most in a strictly selfish perspective. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy with three years of college eligibility left who's already second team. I mean, second team all league in the Pac-12, so different, uh, be a different equation trying to make an all league team with, with 18 schools next year. But yeah, I mean, he he would have been an anchor for the future for them. Uh, whether it's center or at guard, because obviously we've got Landon Hatchett, who's kind of got some of the same versatility. But um, it's easy to kind of take for granted his contributions because when the line is solid and and a key guy goes out injured and you move some things around and it's still solid and, and really good at times, um, it's easy to just be like, okay, yeah, good offensive line. But... I mean, it was no sure thing that this redshirt freshman 275-pound center was just going to step in and give him the same chance to to do what they do offensively as as a six-year senior who they didn't, you know, installed in that job way back day one of spring practice. So that's a that's a big loss. Um, those are the positions I'm looking the most at now, the offensive and defensive lines. Along with Will Rogers uh, exiting the portal, Re allowing his talent to be reacquired by the University of Washington. Um, he's back. Some would say he's never left. <laughs> he really hasn't. He he's he's enrolled. He's been a UW student. Um, the the piece of news that I I hope doesn't get overlooked um, also came out of of Tuesday evening was Sebastian Valdez, their defensive tackle transfer from Montana State. Um, reaffirming that that he's not going anywhere, and that's really tough. Um, when you're in a, a position, he he tweeted, uh, "Bow down to Washington." Hashtag Go Dogs, which is what a lot of the the current players who just want to let people know, "Hey, I'm not going anywhere." Many of them after the uh, the big team meeting on Monday um, have tweeted something similar. That's tough to transfer to a new school. Uh, to play for a particular coaching staff and then they immediately leave and you're already enrolled and you're just kind of there and you don't know anybody yet and you're not sure what the the coaching staff is going to look like. Um, they also don't have a defensive coordinator yet and they only have two defensive assistants hired. So uh, especially for someone on that side of the ball, you know, he must he must just really either buy into Jed Fish's vision or figure, hey, like I'm here I've got whatever NIL deal I've got. Um, let's just let's just do this thing. But that's that's a huge affirmation or commitment, whatever you want to call it, because they've lost Tuli Latuli Nasanoa, Ulumo Oale to graduation. Fatui Tuatele had one year of eligibility left, but he retired, had, had played hurt, battled mm-hmm. a bunch of injuries. Um, I think his body just just couldn't take it anymore. Jacob Bandis has a year of eligibility left. I haven't seen anything from him. Um, the Parker twins have each said they're coming back. I think they'll be key pieces uh, for the future going forward. They signed Alinius Davis in their 2023 class. He redshirted Anthony James. They signed in their 2023 class. Um, began as an edge rusher, moved inside. Assume both those guys are back. Anthony James has said he's coming back. Um, so, they actually haven't lost anyone to the portal at, at D line, but they need bodies like desperately. Um, and, and, you know, Valdez was a huge piece. That was a huge pickup for the previous staff. So to get him to stick around when you've lost three, you're really your top three contributors at the position, um, not even to the portal, just they're moving on. And your O line depth has been racked by the portal here and we'll see where that ends up uh that was a big uh, a big keep for them in the trenches i think we've also got the question about bj green right the transfer from i, Arizona I think State. he's long gone oh he's out yeah he there's... hasn't said anything but there's no reason to think he's still coming okay well that just dashed my hopes i wish him nothing but the best christian in keeping with my ways of ethical fandom whether he's visiting colorado or gonna flip to old miss i wish him nothing but the best same with the cow receiver yeah, I, uh, I, I, I've, I've not been uh, considering him as a a part of their future plans anymore. They never, so those two, they never announced. Those guys committed publicly, but the school never announced either of them. Oh, so I shouldn't have even been paying attention. So I'm a hypocrite because I had already been been factoring them in, even though that they had not been officially announced. Yeah, how do you even know who those guys are? 
What's wrong with <laughs> it's you? It's true. It's true. It filtered in through the cosmos. Uh, all of those, th- those different things. So the offensive line is the big concern for Washington right now. And I think it seems uh, that Nate Kalepo and Julius Bulow are pretty much gone. Um, I've seen both of them connected to Ole Miss. We'll see. Nate Kalepo seemed to bid farewell uh, with a tweet a couple days ago. It didn't seem like either of those guys were ever like torn kind of seemed like they're just looking for the next the next stop so if you assume that they're out the door uh the focus becomes the the brothers hatchet garen hatchet and landon hatchet um both i think made pretty clear that like they were still considering washington um and could my sense has been that they could be had you know that they could be they could be talked into staying obviously in-state guys their whole family has been totally all in on Washington all along. Garen in particular, um, you know, has a chance to step right into the starting lineup, right? Be one of the, be one of the guys, be an, an anchor O lineman for them, whether it's at, at guard or he did practice a little at tackle last year. Landon Hatchet feels like the, the center of the future. He did suffer a, uh, a, a serious injury um, sometime between the Pac-12 championship game and the college football playoff. He was on crutches uh, at both CFP games. So I don't know what his recovery timeline is, if he's somebody you could count on for day one, game one of, of the season, or if um, that's pushed back a little ways. But I wouldn't think that would necessarily like factor into whether he thinks it's best to stay at Washington or go somewhere else. Um those are those are two must haves, you know. I think those are two guys you you really got to keep around if you can pull that off. And you assume that Drew, as a party, uh, that the tackle transfer from San Diego State isn't going anywhere, and it doesn't seem he hasn't indicated that that he wants to go in the portal. So, if you've got him and Jalen Clem maybe back at the tackles, you've got Garen Hatchet, you've got Guard Memolar coming off of an injury. Um, we'll see what his availability is for, for day one of fall camp. That was a, uh, that was a pretty, you know, that was a fall camp injury for him. So that's up in the air too. Um, some promising, you know, young guys obviously signed a big class in 2023. I wouldn't necessarily expect that those guys will be ready yet, but if you get the hatchet brothers back, you can at least start to build that depth. You're still going to need to go and, and, um, and get some guys in the portal probably, or, or from the junior college ranks or, or whatever, but um, there is an Arizona offensive lineman, Raymond Polito, um, who entered the transfer portal. That's uh, that's potentially an option for depth. So that's you know there there are obviously are other positions that are of concern when you only got sixty some guys uh, with scholarships allotted on your roster. You got a lot of work to do, but uh, for them to to have a chance of being okay in twenty twenty four, they got to get some work done on the O line. There's the fairly high profile. Is it Packy Finau? Right. Yes. Yeah, so he entered the transfer portal. Is he almost certainly gone? Do you think? I don't know. Um, he was very gung ho about UW. He was their first commit in the uh, the twenty twenty four class. Was he their first commit, or was he left as their only commit after a couple guys got processed out? I'm forgetting exactly how that played out. But he was a, he was a very he was an early commit for them um, in twenty twenty four big UW guy didn't waver. Um, so that's one where, you know, if they really want him and can sell him on the vision, maybe you, you keep him around, but, um, makes sense for him to, to open up his options and look around. He also had already enrolled. He was at the national championship game on the sideline. And the offense, it's not surprising that there's maybe that degree of turnover, on the offensive line, because that was one of the areas of continuity between between Jimmy Lake and right as they kept they kept their offensive line coach uh, once once Kalen DeBoer came in and now losing that Brennan Carroll's someone who he's I don't know much about him as a recruiter himself, but he's he's going to be their offensive line coach. I mean, that's that's pretty much the understanding. And that's I I, I would it doesn't surprise me the level of turnover that they that they've had uh, on the offensive line, and I I think you're right about the brothers Hatchet being, and that that's. Do I hope that they stay? Yeah, I do. 
But if they choose to go, I'm trying to be the ethical fan. If I choose to go, I, I, I wish them nothing but the best, Christian. It's tough, man. It's a weird, it's a weird environment where you, because I don't want to sort of try and, and urge or feel like this is what a, a kid should do because it's his career and it's, he only gets one of them. And for him, it's, it's the most important, but, and you start looking at it and you're like, man, you go from a, a unit that was one of the strengths of that team and that you figured was in really good shape going forward to, it's going to look dramatically different next season, no matter what happens. Yeah. So Washington's 2024 class, um, and Finau is the latest one, but has, has taken a hit. The players who just signed in December, um, handful of whom already enrolled. And actually it's, it's that group that's, that's gone in the portal for the most part. So Demarcius Davis quarterback, um, just went in the portal. I would imagine primarily because they took Damon Williams, junior four-star quarterback who had signed with Arizona. And I believe enrolled, um, at Arizona out of, uh, uh, Basha high school in Chandler, Arizona, um, listed at five, the school's official release had him at 5'11". He's, He's listed at 5'9 on his recruiting yeah. stuff. Very exciting player. Um, great athlete. Ran for over 1,000 yards. Threw for 30-some touchdown passes. Um, much more of a dual threat than they, they've recruited in a while. I guess Lincoln Keenholz would have would have been that guy uh, based on stats, but didn't wind up there. So... 2024 quarterback in 2024 quarterback out Davis did say he's still considering Washington and one of his official visits was to Arizona. So, uh, he should know the staff. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Pocky fee now, um, is in the transfer portal. Peyton waters, uh, defensive back out of Van Nuys in the transfer portal. Noah Carter, the, the, uh, I think most would agree that the best player in this class, really electric edge rusher. Um, he got out of his letter, uh, no longer coming to Washington. Josh Lair, uh, safety from Texas, uh, decommitted, no longer coming to Washington. Um, I believe that's it uh, from that group. And then also, well, Ke- uh, Keona Wilhite also. Uh, in, that's an interesting one because he's an edge rusher from Tucson who had originally committed to Arizona, flipped to Washington, and... Uh, and and got out of his letter um, since the uh, the coaching change, and then also the edge rusher Dominic Kirks, who did not sign his letter of intent uh, because he was waiting to see who the the new edges coach was going to be after Eric Schmidt left to be defensive coordinator at San Diego State. He decommitted right after Kalen DeBoer's departure, and has since committed to Ohio State. So they are they're starting to add uh, a piece here and there from from Arizona's twenty four class. So we'll see we'll see how that all shakes out. Whose class was considered better between those two? Um, Washington's was ranked higher. Um, yeah, I think, I think Washington's was. Yeah. Um, neither was very big, so Washington's was ranked forty eighth in the composite, I believe. And uh, let's see where Arizona was. This was not uh, as highly rated of an Arizona class as the the twenty two class that really provided the the foundation for them. Yeah, Arizona's ranked fifty fifth. So, do you think most of the guys that are in the portal now will end up leaving, or do you think it's going to be about fifty fifty half half go half stay? Yeah, good question. I mean, as of right this moment, um, in the portal you have. Will Haskell, who was another scholarship quarterback they took from San Diego State, um, who probably didn't have much of a realistic path to playing time. I wouldn't expect him back. Tybo Rogers, uh, Nate Colepo, and Julius Bulow, who I wouldn't count on on being back. Garen Hatchett and Landon Hatchett, who I think you you got to feel like Washington's got a pretty good chance of keeping them around. Um, Asa Turner still in the portal. Vincent Holmes was uh, a four-star safety in their 2023 class. He's still in the portal. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Pocky Finau, Demarcius Davis, Noah Carter, Keona Wilhite, Dominic Kirks, Kamori House, Josh Lair, and, and Peyton Waters. Um, seems like Noah Carter is destined for Alabama. Mm-hmm. He he got that Alabama offer um, right after right after the the coaching change. He took his visit there. I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up there. Um, 
and obviously Kalen DeBoer and the, the Washington staff was very high on him. The other guys, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, I don't have a feel for those 24 kids. I think that's, uh, that's tough. It's kind of like the, the transfers we talked about, right? Like you, you were sold a vision by the staff. You did everything you could to graduate early from high school. You got up there, you got to go with the team to the national championship game and, and now they're gone and you don't, you don't know a lot of people. So, um, I, I would feel pretty decent about the chances of keeping the hatchets around everybody else. I, I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, and it, and it could just, these could all be business decisions too. Let me see what's out there. What kind of NIL is available versus what I can get at Washington. Can I leverage this opportunity for more at Washington? Who knows? Right. So, um, I, I wouldn't count on a ton of returners from that group. Um, but, uh, you just, you never know. You never know. He did. The, the tide seems to be turning a little bit. The team meeting on Monday sounds like it went, uh, it went quite well. It, you know, they had, had a bunch of guys coming out of that feeling good about going forward with their future at Washington. Um, Cam Fabiculanen has kind of become something of a folk hero for, for making the decision to stay and coming back for his senior year. And, um, he went on with softy and talked about it and everything. So, that's uh that was a, a a big keep for them too i think now it's it's definitely a, a strange time i saw joel clatt i don't know if he tweeted it or said it on the air yesterday but there's still a lot of expectation in the nfl that jim harbaugh is going to end up in the nfl leaving michigan and one of the observations clatt had was that given what's happened both at alabama and washington in the wake of the coaching changes that you would have to think that that pushes more toward the promotion of Sharon Moore if if that does. And most people had expected that anyway. Like that's not a lot of people have thought that if that job were to open, he would get it. But that given the the massive amount of transfers and and departures that you've seen at high level programs when there's been a coaching change, that it would sort of make push more toward uh, the the idea of keeping. Of, of, of promoting from within and being able to say, hey, the guys that you committed to, even though the head coach isn't here, everything else is still here. It's still the same program that you committed to. Do you think Kalen DeBoer could get involved there? <laughs> no, I think that ship has sailed. I think that ship has sailed. Look, if Michigan, if Michigan was the was, you know, the job to look out for that. Listen, I'll say this that would be that would be the ultimate expression that that is the one job he wants right like if he take alabama and immediately leave for michigan you could stand up there in that maize and blue tie and say this is where i want to be look look what i just left after <laughs> two Man. weeks or whatever <laughs> it's it's pretty funny the other one that i've heard is a lot of people saying that they think that brian kelly could end up there and that's that's entirely been internet fan rumor sort of stuff but that would be pretty hilarious too um, yeah i i think um looking at what's happening at alabama with the transfer portal michigan would be quite uh quite smart to keep that one in-house yeah uh we have our weekly visit with ian uh our friend ip mcfarland and he he had he made a special request this was very early he sent me a text message saying that he wanted to to carve out this little this little part of the conversation regarding the transfer portal and some of the the online footprint of recruiting that happens uh our weekly conversation with with ian involves a hashtag my last message to y'all was on the morning of January 9th. Um, so this has been a quite a two week period to be quiet. Um, probably best because that, that I wasn't on here because I probably would, it would have said things that are deeply outdated and probably sound stupid, but obviously the Nick Saban circle of pain is well into its second chapter where we're, we've gone beyond the the coaches being taken from one school to another, but actually the players as well. And look, I, I don't, I don't harbor ill will to Kalen DeBoer or the coaches who, who left. I don't harbor ill will to the, the players who have followed. They gave us two pretty special seasons and this is just the game now. And I am a bit relieved 
that Washington is playing that game. And they did so in a very big way on Saturday when the hashtag families travel appeared for the first time on Twitter X, whatever we're calling it these days. I probably laughed for five minutes when I saw that hashtag because it's so brazenly stating not only are we coming for Arizona's players, we are actually going to try to make them feel guilty that they're not coming to Washington because they're somehow working against the family. I absolutely love this. But what is most amazing about it is that it was brought to you by the same marketing team that continues to push hashtag greatest setting. In fact, in the first post that the UW account made with hashtag families travel, they also put in hashtag greatest setting. I knew when I reposted this on Twitter that Brian Floyd would be the first person to comment. He was. And I said to him at that point that this is the, the only analogy I can come up with was when Jeff Daniels was simultaneously filming Gettysburg and Dumb and Dumber because we have this ridiculous, obnoxious, self-congratulatory for nothing hashtag in greatest setting coupled with the most beautifully fu hashtag in college sports with families travel and i am overwhelmed i don't have any more material on this i just think it's absolutely amazing and i look forward to both of your commentary guys have a good week go dogs <laughs> i'll admit i didn't fully consider and understand what the families travel i saw it and i think i saw somebody who covers the university of arizona make a reference of hey this is basically the same thing that that jed fish had been doing at arizona kind of the same the same group but i don't think i realized that there was a little bit of hey we're going to mass migrate here that was that was implied that, that was implied with that with the hashtag yeah i didn't either i thought uh I I think they first used it for the video of like literally the coaches' families arriving um, at I I don't know if it was SeaTac or Boeing Field, but at, I I guess it would have been SeaTac um, arriving and then arriving at the University of Washington, and I I thought it literally was just like oh like it's the this is the family travel day <laughs> like here's all the coaches' families are here, and then I they kept using it and. It was like, oh, wow. No, they really are just talking about transplanting the Arizona family to <laughs> Seattle and the University of Washington. Uh, I Hey, that's uh, I guess that's the way the game is played now. So. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I will say you can't be pissed at Kalen DeBoer and sort of supportive of hashtag families travel. You're going to have to pick a lane. Like if we're talking about how you be an ethical fan here, you've, you've got to pick one of those. You can't, you can't have it both ways in the same way that you can't bitch about Austin Mack and Parker Brailsford and, and Jeremy Bernard ending up in Arizona and then hope that you get to Torah McMillan. You, you, you can't do both of those. You've got, you've got to pick one approach that you're going to have and then you have to be intellectually consistent and that's on each fan to decide how they're going to navigate that because if if you're going to be bitter then you've got to be apologetic if you go and do the same thing to another school did a uh, slight tangent but did you see um what Kalen DeBoer said on Paul Feinbaum about the the portal situation at Alabama no what do he say Basically, that that it was, it was it wasn't as bad as the portal situation he walked into at Washington. Hmm, that that's fair. Uh, that that probably sounds pretty accurate. He's the numbers are in. a lot worse at Alabama. Um, 
in terms of the guys who have gone in. Now he, to give him the benefit of the doubt, which I don't know that a lot of people listening would be inclined to, but um, perhaps he's referring to knowledge the coaching staff had that was not public about the number of guys who were potentially going to go into the portal that they were able to convince uh, to stay out of the portal and stay at Washington. Maybe he's counting the Romo Dunzes and Jalen McMillans and Jalen Polks and Zion Tupola Fatui and all those. Maybe he, in his mind, those guys were essentially portal bound, even if they didn't actually enter. Uh, so, but because the numbers were, were nothing like what they are at Alabama right now, in terms of guys who actually went in, it was like Jackson Sermon and, Taki Taimani and Jacoby Covington and there were a handful of others, but like those were Trail Bynum. Um, those were like the big impact guys. They they kept basically everybody else. But that's probably a reflection of it being two years later, right? Partly in that you have more guys that go in now. And maybe the, you, you can tell me I'm wrong because obviously I, I haven't covered it. My impression is that it used to be if you went into the portal, you were gone. And that is less a certainty at this point that you have more guys and whether it's because they understand that if I go in there and get talked to, I don't have to leave. It seems to me that more guys enter the portal now, even even if they don't end up, they, they don't end up transferring. Am I wrong that, about that? That's a good point. The, the, the culture very much is like, hey, go with. No questions asked. Just go in the portal. Cost you nothing. If you're good enough, they're going to beg you to stay. Go in the portal. Let coaches contact you. Immediately start to see what's out there to give yourself as many options and, and avenues as possible. You're, you're, you're right about that because even though the portal existed two off seasons ago, the culture wasn't quite there where it was like if you were going to – not that there weren't guys who withdrew. Like, I mean, Jacob Sermon did that mm-hmm. way back, you know, 2019. Um, but there, the enter the act of entering the portal had some more finality to it than it does now. I think, especially during coaching transitions. So you're right; like it could just be that culture shift. And and what DeBoer is thinking of is the number of like obviously guys who are obviously going to be key big impact players who maybe had communicated to them, "I am likely going to enter the portal," and they were able to talk them out of it. Maybe to give him the benefit of the doubt with that statement, maybe that's what he's, uh, that's what he's thinking of. This was his exact quote. Um, the, uh, sidelines Bama Twitter account quotes it from his interview with Paul Feinbaum. He says, I was in this situation two years ago. This is a much better situation than that one was. <laughs> so of it, course he's going to say that, right? Like what's he going to say? He's like, man, this, this is looking dire right now. No, what you do is you make your current job sound as hard as you can possibly make it sound so that if you succeed, you overcame the adversity. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to fly for him down there. I, I, I think, I think his best approach is try to pretend that this is really no big deal. And it's just the, this is the reality of what a coaching change means at a program the the caliber of Alabama. Um, I have found myself at a couple of different points in the last week really excited for the first time that Kalen DeBoer decides to go for it on fourth down in his own territory and get stuffed by one of those big 350 pound defensive linemen down in down in the SEC, and he has to deal with. I, I'm I've actually decided that I'm probably going to be listening to his coach's show to listen to some of the calls that come in because <laughs> I, I like his aggressiveness, but, but the aggressiveness on fourth down requires that you accept the trade-offs that occasionally you're not going to get it, that occasionally it's going to turn out really bad. And you've got to say, Hey, what we gain makes up for this instant that when we lose and folks that are, that are fans of Alabama football are much more inclined to approach it that if you do it, it better work. And if it doesn't work, you're going to run your ass out of town on a rail. I could see him also meaning that this is a better situation because this is Alabama and the guys that we have left still on the roster are all Alabama caliber players. That's what's been interesting. Uh, I've enjoyed seeing which players on Washington's roster Kalen DeBoer thinks he can win with at Alabama. 
Um, and that this has kind of been a referendum on that, that obviously Parker Brailsford, Austin Mack, Jeremy Bernard, and probably Noah Carter, uh, fit that description. I wonder how many, how many, uh, others he, he tried to get yeah. to go in the portal and come to Alabama, or if that was, those were the only guys he wanted. When we talked, I, and I'm not sure if, I'm not sure which emergency podcast it was Christian, but I think the thought was that Austin Mack is the one guy that you could really see or expect like if he can get him at, at Alabama, he probably will. I made it clear. I'm a big Parker Brailsford fan and I do think he'll succeed there. I was surprised just, just because the size, just because the size that, that that was necessarily something. And I also had kind of thought if he goes down there, would he start right away? And he might, he might not. I, I would assume he is if he's transferring down there. But there are going to be a lot of raised eyebrows in Alabama about whether or not a 280-pound interior lineman is going to fly in that conference. Um, but I, I would say the fact that it looks like there's three that have committed and could be a fourth with Noah Carter, that's more than I expected him to him to seek from, from the Washington roster. Should uh, add Jabbar Muhammad to that. I forget. I forget if he took a visit there or was going to take a visit there, but he, um, Alabama, Texas, and Oregon were the three that were kind of percolating for him last I saw. So maybe add him to the collection of guys they would, uh, they would take there. Um, I'm sure a lot of this discussion is going to be outdated by the time this publishes. Cause I mean, this is just changing by the day. There's guys coming, there's guys going, um, there's commitments, they went from, you mentioned there was a period of time where they had zero scholarship quarterbacks committed for 2024. They currently have two, Will Rogers now and Damon Williams Jr., who will be a true freshman. Um, we'll see what what Demarcius Davis winds up doing. They did get a commitment for 2025 also uh, from, from Dash Byerly, who is previously committed to Arizona. So another um, essentially just flip from Arizona to Washington. I think there's probably a few more of those coming um, from recent visits they had and some guys who are in the portal. So we uh, we'll see. And you'll be you'll be tuned into every uh, every little turn of the screw, whether you want to be or not. You've been pulled in. You're a new kind of fan for you. You're you're uh, Danny's in his portal era, so to speak. (laughs) So funny. It's so it's so hilarious. Like the the entire college football is ridiculous, right? Just the, the actual the actual yeah. way it functions is absurd. You have one agent who represents fully fully half and maybe more than that of the top tier coaches, and you've got programs that how they recruit, and now you've got this transfer portal era. I did have one question, um, and this is a logistics question: When a player enters the portal, is he no longer on scholarship? with his with his previous school so when a player enters there is he is he essentially uh, giving up his scholarship to the school that he's potentially leaving uh it's completely up to the school and the coach okay so they can say you're not part if you go in the portal you're not part of our program anymore um or they can say hey take your time you you know we'll treat you the same as long as you're not committed to another school like they did with dylan morris now generally I think it's frowned upon. And even the PAC 12, I believe had a rule that you couldn't pull a kid's scholarship, right? That you couldn't, if you recruited him to, to the school, you couldn't tell him after year one that you're no longer going to be a scholarship football player here. He's not, he wasn't assured of being on the team, but you couldn't pull his scholarship. Is that, am I summarizing that right? Yeah. The, the literal funding for the academic portion of his scholarship, you was guaranteed for four years. So there is an NCAA rule that allows um, coaches to remove players from the roster and not have the scholarship count against their their 85 count um, during a coaching transition, like during the first year. But even in those instances, if the player just said, all right, fine, but I'm not transferring. I like it here. I want to finish my schooling here. They do still have to fund their scholarship. But it is generally considered extremely bad etiquette and terrible if a coach pulls a scholarship from a player, right? Like if the player wants to stay on the team and he's basically told, do, do we, would you say that we generally frown on that? Which has 
kind of been what's happened at Colorado. Yeah, I mean, it it's frowned upon in the sense that like every program does it, but right. there's a way to do it. Like okay. y- the way that Dion did it was, you know, he was was without a whole lot of care, right? For for and not really even knowing who those guys were, just knowing that they weren't good enough to play there and sounded like the meetings were very brief and impersonal yes. and when that gets out like then it's kind of a bad look but like every coach you know levels with a kid even chris peterson would say look if a kid gets to his fourth or fifth year at washington and just can't play here we don't want to stop him from transferring like we want what's best for the kid we want you know we're going to level with him and say hey uh you know you we like having you as part of the program, but just so you know, you're never going to play. You're not going to get practice reps because we're going to give those reps to the guys who we we see as being part of the future. Um, and most guys will make the decision to move on based on that uh, because they want to play football and they actually want to play. You will run into the rare, you know, player who maybe they're local or they just they don't want to change things up. They don't want to go through the hassle of a move who might just take that and say, okay, fine, but I'm not going anywhere. I'll, you know, I'll stand in the back of every drill and, and I'll put in the work still and I'll do what's asked of me, but I'm, I'm not transferring. Um, so my last question, who has access to see who's in the portal? Cause this was always like when I covered the NFL, there's a, there's a league wire where they send out, like if a player works out, they street, what they call them street free agents, guys who are unsigned, all the transactions would be reported on the NFL wire, but reporters didn't have access to that. You didn't, you didn't see that who has access to the transfer portal. So I don't know that it's a, like if there's limited logins among a college football staff, if it's like, um, if it's like a uh, Linksys or whatever, <laughs> what's the, what's the, 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 the information database that like journalists use the big journalism companies subscribe to. Um, Oh, uh, Lexus Nexus. Lexus Nexus. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's like Lexus Nexus or not, where you, you just get like a couple logins per organization. No, I, I think anybody who's in like a recruiting position. So head coach, assistant staff, recruiting staffers, um, anybody who's in that type of role, has access to the portal it's supposed to be institutions only Mm -hmm. obviously um there are many media outlets who have come into possession of those uh login credentials i heard at one point the ncaa was trying to crack down on uh on like external logins (laughs) god that's hilarious can you can you set up alerts so if a player enters the the portal you get a a ding or some sort of sound effect you might be able to but that would be probably a waste of time because as we know if you're just learning about a player entering the portal you're not getting him yeah that's true that's true once once they're in there that's that's that that's a formality i was i was just curious about that i appreciate you for indulging me um i i do i do find the portal the portal as an actual entity is hilarious to me. I lo- just love that they named it the portal. <laughs> it's not I a do, database. It's a portal. I do think of it as there's the Dr. Pepper commercial where the portal is like a black hole that's sucking someone in and they're trying to keep him because he's a quarterback. I do think of the portal as an interdimensional space in which the player physically steps off campus and into this never, never world of the portal in which now he is everybody's free to contact him. He has left the safe space of his, his little campus in which now it is an absolute free for all. And I imagine that there's all these sort of street hustlers like, Hey, come on, come on. You want to come down to, you want to come down to Oxford, Mississippi. We got some stuff for you that no, no, no. You want to go to East Lansing, my young man, like just, just the dirtiest, seediest scenes from the internet of people trying to street hucksters, from outside Bourbon Street bars trying to get people inside. Like, uh, it's like the Dave Chappelle, like the Chappelle show yes, skit where exactly. the, the guy visits the internet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best. <laughs> where he comes out of the one, he's like, v- 
visibly shaken by what he's just seen. <laughs> You're never going to be the same after you get tempted in the portal. <laughs> we can only hope uh, these these portal entrants are not irreparably uh, irreparably harmed. Did you uh, you did, did did you write something today about your uh, your, your your own your own portal uh, interest now? I did. So it's on the dang apostrophe. I'm also going to send it to Christian uh, to print if he thinks it passes muster there at onmontlake.com about that. I don't think that my ignorance is bliss sort of hands over eyes, hands over ears, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil approach to recruiting will apply. Like, I don't I don't know if it's practical. So the next step after this is maybe coming up with a list of of rules of how to how to ethically how how to be an ethically consistent college football fan in this era of of player movement um but yeah i did i did i did post that there saying that i'm excited for will rogers to to be a washington husky again but it it is a strange this is a very very strange new reality and i the more that i think about it the more that i might end up writing at some point here in the future about the specific story which involves Roderick and Lodrick Stewart, the basketball players from from Rainier Beach, that really soured me on recruiting just as as a, <laughs> as an entire process. Soup to nuts thought the whole thing was just mad foul after how how a story that I had covered part of ended up playing out. Uh, it feels like old news at this point. You mentioned, but you mentioned being excited about Will Rogers. We should at least mention. Um, among the portal comings and goings that I think like Husky fans can legitimately be very excited about is Jonah Coleman. Yeah, um, you had a great story on him where you talked to his high school coach. That dude is a rolling ball of butcher knives, five foot nine, two hundred and twenty five pounds. Let's go. So we talk about the uh, the instant gratification and that 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 the portal provides that recruiting doesn't. There you go. I mean, that is an established quality, productive, efficient uh, running back in the Pac-12 this last season for a good team. Um, physical, he's, 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 uh, he's a load at 5'9 and 225. So that, that, that's, that's one guy, no matter how the roster shakes out, no matter what the O-line looks like or what they get at receiver, which they've got some work to do there too. Um, you can, you're going to see a lot of Jonah Coleman in 2024. So that's there's there's one guy, uh, and and yes, you can read about him at, at on Montlake today. I'm going to write about some unsung heroes from the 2023 season. I uh, I did a rundown of unsung heroes last year, of just hey, this was you know an 11 and two kind of big turnaround type of year. You know who the stars are, but here's the guys who kind of came through in big moments who don't get as much attention. Um, going to reprise that article, and uh, you know I had this whole plan like throughout this month of January to, to look back a little bit at, at this really objectively amazing season Washington just had and, and haven't really had the opportunity to do that. So um, you can read about that as well. Who's one of these unsung heroes, Christian? Um, I've got six in front of me so far. Which one do I want to give you? I, uh, uh, I'll give you um, the team. So last year I wrote that, uh, the team leader in special team snaps should always be considered a, among the unsung heroes. Yes. Uh, because that's, unless it's like your best player who's not unsung anyway. Um, but this is a guy who is not a, he plays some um, defensively, but not a starter and uh, not on scholarship. Led the Huskies in special team snaps. Who do you think it was? I don't know. Drew Fowler. It was Drew Fowler for the yes! second year in a row for the second year in a row. So Drew Fowler will be on the list. I, I I'm really excited about that. I love special teams. There is there. I don't know if there are any great teams that don't have a really important special teams leader like that. You can be bad on special, but you have to have, you have to have a player for whom playing special teams is really important who kind of becomes a flashpoint and, and a guy that other people on the team I've, and maybe that's just sort of my own. I've never covered what I would consider a really good team that didn't have a player on special teams that everybody in the locker room really admired. So I'll put this to you because I've, is, is Carson Bruner unsung enough to be considered an unsung hero? 
probably not, but that might be because of how much I like him. It just seems like he's uh, he's very popular with the fan. Like he's not a starter, really. So to like, even though he played starter snaps in a couple of games, so I'm like, eh, should he be on the list? I feel like he's probably risen to a level where you wouldn't say he's unsung. That's my impression. But again, you're talking to someone for whom that is one of my favorite Huskies. Like that guy is, he's not quite at Ben Burkirvan level, but I mean, I, even just now I'm thinking about, remember when he had that interception against Oregon as a freshman and ran it back in the, what went on? The, that was the only highlight of what was an awful game. Otherwise I, I love Carson Printer. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not the best person to ask that one. And probably when in doubt, you should put him on the list because you can never talk too much about Carson Bruner, in my opinion. That's fair enough. Uh, stay tuned to the portal. Stay tuned to onmontlake.com. Stay tuned to the dang apostrophe. And we'll talk to you next week. Oh, no, no, no. I ran through that bull junk you wrote. Down. I ran through that. I sifted through all that. Yeah. No bull junk here. Yeah. <laughs>